Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the 211 Renault and Dacia range. Get your car delivered to you in just a couple of clicks. Call us today to find out more or visit blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Welcome to Late Lunch this midweek Wednesday. Thank you for joining us on the show. Lots to come over the next couple of hours. I continue my focus on Thin Lizzy with a cracking song again today. Fergal Lynch from the Mead Chronicle is joining us. He's going to tell us all about former Mead GA star Emer Murray. Ronan O'Dolig is here, the founder of Thriftify.ie. What a story he has. His business has boomed in the pandemic. And Hannah Latio McDonald, well, she hasn't seen her family in Finland since late 2019. She's been feeling lonely, but look, she's got up and got going. And we're going to have a chat with Hannah. You may know her if you live in the Navan area. Her dad was the MD of Tara Mines in the day. Uh, and, uh, of course, we want to hear from you in the show. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me or you can call in on 1850-715-958. Now... Look, we've been touched by the pandemic in this country and it's been a very difficult 14 months and we saw the scenes early on, what happened in Italy, it was horrendous. But I have to say, despite all that's happened the last 14 months, when I look at the images coming from India in recent days, the scenes from the hospitals, the burning funeral pyres... Oh, my word, it really would break your heart. They've had 18 million cases, over 200,000 deaths, and officially it's 3,000 people a day are dying, every single day. What's gone wrong? Well, we're going to talk about it for the next while on the show. We have two people, one waiting patiently in India to chat to us. But first, I want to say hello this afternoon to the chairman of the Ireland-India Council. He lives near Beliver in County Mead. Prashant Shukla, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for having me at you, your show. No, you're very welcome. Can I ask you this to start? You did well on the first wave of COVID in India. Really well, I have to say, for the vastness of the country and the population. What's gone wrong this time round with the second wave? Yes, Jerry, it was the first wave was very well, uh, you know, managed in India. It, it had a timely lockdown and people was actually made aware that they have to follow uh, the COVID protocols and everything. But this time, India was actually started celebrating victory over COVID. And I can say the Indian government must take significant responsibility 
for the current much anticipated wave. Indeed, an atmosphere was created that pandemic was over in India. This has been mirrored in many countries where come Plan C has set in. And this is the reason. And I feel the priorities of uh, politicians was different and uh, their misplaced priorities bring India at this stage. So you're pointing the finger at the government. Uh, there have been elections recently and we see pictures of huge rallies happening, religious gatherings as well, the Kumala Festival happening in recent times as well. Mass gatherings, do you think that's contributed as well to uh, this second wave, this devastating second wave? Absolutely. And uh, there was no need to celebrate Kumbh Mela this year because according to Indian mythology and system, it was due in 2022, not in 2021. And I don't understand the reason why this kind of mass gathering was organized. When we have churches and temples and everything closed in most of the uh, you know countries in the world, what was actually in India that, and then when the leaders who people uh, follow, Yes. Hello. Are you there? Have we got you, Prashant, or have we lost you? Hello, Prashant. Are you there, Prashant? Hello. Let's go to it. Let's have we the other lady there, Louise, on the line, and I'll have a, a word with her now. Maria Perry Mohan is in India. Hello, Maria. Hello. Hello, Maria. Can you hear me there? I can. Can you hear me all right? Ah, yes, I have you perfectly here. Welcome to the show. You're on the ground there uh, in India. You live in Lucknow, a city in northern India. 3.5 million people live there and you've been there since 1995. What's it like on the ground? Well, I can only speak from my personal experience. I'm not involved in any kind of work or hospital work, anything. I'm just a housewife living at home, looking after my family. But as an ordinary citizen, I can see, um, I can just tell you what it's like for me. And I can say that in the last one year, things are very different. A year ago, everyone was very enthusiastic about the protocols and the social distancing and everything. It was like a novelty in a way, and everyone was enthusiastic. I think what's set in, Prashant has his own views about the government, and that's right. But the thing is, I think people got tired. People just got bored of it. They started saying, look, how long can this go on? This can't go on forever. Particularly in the case of very poor people who would say depend on working as a domestic servant in someone's house for an hour. You know, a cleaner woman coming to do a bit of work. You know, she'd be saying, when will I start earning money again? Of course, we paid ours. We have a woman who comes in and we paid her all through. But after a while, she began to get fed up. She was like, come on, I want to come in. Now we had to banish her again. (laughs) You know what I mean? For her safety as well as ours for her protection as well as ours. Mm. Um, that sense of, oh God, this can't be going on forever. You know, that, I think that's a big contributor to this, uh, you know, disaster. Yeah, so as Prashant said to me a moment ago there, uh, you know, the declaration that the worst of this was passed really has permeated down to the people on the ground and they perhaps yeah. got a little laxed and this has now enabled this COVID to come roaring back. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, for people who are middle class and fairly secure, people who have government jobs, pensions, you know, they don't have to worry too much. They may be bored, they may be having the cabin fever and whatever, but they, they manage, they struggle on, you know. 
But for poor people whose livelihood depends on, you know, making a few shillings, you know, or whatever we call them here, you know, I mean, it's just totally different. You know what I mean? They yes. would be really fed up. And there's a huge amount of people like that, you know. And and from your own point of view, are you fearful yourself, you know, with the, the cases, you know, uh, just uh, exponentially rising every day? Well, yes, because, you know, it's like one day someone's there and the next day they're not. Just a much quoted example of mine. I went to the chemist the other day and bought a strip of tablets, you know, for my blood pressure. I'm still using that strip. And the chemist man who I bought it from is gone. He's dead. You know, my. I mean, I just, mm. it, it was it's horrific. I mean. My husband's aunt passed away last week. She was elderly, but that's, you know, she's still, she was there and now she's not. Um, uh, daughters, da- my daughter was staying in her friend's place. They were studying together, doing the live stream from the university. My daughter came running home. Oh, someone visited the house with cold. Next thing, the girl whose house she was staying, that girl's father has died. <laughs> it's just coming closer, closer. It's mm. Mm. Are you taking, uh, you know, are you doing all you should do? Are you staying at home? Are you looking after yourself? Oh, yeah. Definitely we are. We had a family wedding. When I say family wedding, I have a sister-in-law living in the same house as me. Relatives of hers had a wedding. We didn't go. We couldn't. Normally we'd be there. We'd be supporting, you know? Yeah. We didn't go. We stayed away. Um, we you have to use the sanitizers, the face masks, the whole bit, and taking the, uh, something from the courier at the door, you got to walk, you know, where's my mask? It's like, <laughs> you know, every time you're kind of sitting down, oh my God, someone's come to say, where's my mask? Where's, where's the sanitizer? Quick, you know, it's like, mm sterilise things before you open them. Oh, you have to. I mean, I was supposed, a friend got in touch with me today and asked me to meet for coffee in some nearby place. And I had a message from her about two hours before. Uh, two people died in my road. I can't come. You know, it's shocking, isn't it? It really is shocking. Just stay there for a moment. Prashant is still there. I think he's with us. Hello, Prashant. Ah, oh, yeah, sorry, we lost you there a second. You're back now and, and nice and clear. Look, you're hearing uh, what Maria is describing there. And really, it's... It's hard to contemplate, isn't it, that people are just dying willy-nilly and regularly all around that area where she lives and in in our social circle as well. Prashant, what needs to be done? Is the world doing enough? Yes, world is doing enough. And I'm very thankful to uh, the Ireland that uh, uh, after our call, immediately they released uh, <coughs> aid and like <coughs> 700 uh, oxygen concentrators is a huge help. It will save many, many lives. And uh, what I wanted to say actually before, if people are dying because of COVID, we can accept it. Yes, it is because of COVID. But when you create such a pandemic and oxygen is not available, medicines are not available, it is a killing. It is not a, a normal uh, people are dying because of COVID. So then hiding data from uh, from people. And uh, if <clears throat> millions of people attending political rallies and the leaders are addressing them, these are the symptoms of the problem. And, and you rightly said that the message gone uh, below the society that everything is fantastic. So let's do uh, do the party. And that's what exactly happened in India. 
The irony of this is that India is one of the uh, foremost uh, producers of uh, vaccines in the world. And India has been supplying, uh, you know, Britain uh, had huge supplies uh, for their vaccines from India. And here you are producing so much and the world depending on you. And now you're in big trouble yourselves. This is an issue for the whole world, Prashant. Exactly. And this uh, pandemic, this uh, second wave, which is uh, currently in India, it will affect world's health. Every citizen in the world will get affected and the economies around the world will get affected because of this. So this is a very serious and uh, and uh, I request on international community that they have to take it seriously because uh, no matter how hard and what we are practicing here in Ireland. But this virus will again come here in Ireland. It will affect everyone here and in any other countries in the world. So we are not immune. So this is very serious situation, Jerry. Oh, really serious, because none of us is safe in this until everybody's safe. That's the bottom line here. You know, we can get our own vaccinations and it's going quite well, thank God. But it is an issue for mankind on this planet. Um, In terms of the news coming out, 3,000 deaths a day officially. Word is that that's actually higher. Uh, And there's been a lot of kickback on uh, Modi, the Prime Minister, and his uh, BJP ruling party that they're actually, uh, you know, closing down social media. They're blocking news feeds. Uh, Have you heard anything about this? Is that true? It is absolutely true because uh, the artificial sense of uh, creating sense of uh, everything is normal, everything is good. This is the problem because if people don't know the exact severity of the problem and if you are putting a a statement, all the actually right kind of uh, advices, if you remove only if you create a false euphoria about uh, something good, that's the problem. Yes, it is a problem. And in terms of the uh, the nation itself, my, when you look at the po- population, so we're only a, a drop in the ocean here in Ireland. One billion, three hundred and eighty million people, uh, less than two percent vaccinated at the moment. This is a massive challenge for all concerned. And not, I, I know people are critical of the government, but to to roll this out and get sufficient quantities, how are they going to do it, Prashant? What have they a plan? Are they now seriously going to tackle this? Do you think? No, still there is no plan and uh, still there is a number of issues like uh, to get a hospital because I am dealing here with the day by day. The Indian community who are working, the people who are working here, they are get, you know, severely affected. Mm. The family members, they are not getting bed in hospital. They are not getting oxygen and there is no response for the SOS calls. So basically... Uh, I haven't imagined, I haven't seen such, uh, you know, uh, situation anywhere in the world. Yes, the people uh, will say that it was actually uh, a similar situation in Italy, similar situation in most part of the UK. But mostly that was on the first wave. Mm. But when it is the second wave, the countries was prepared and people was not died because... uh, they they were not getting uh, medical care or health care. Mm. 
But in India, it is different. People are dying because of the lack of oxygen and medical care is not available. Mm -hmm. That's worrying. It is. And in my personal, you know, experience, I have lost one of my family members. My uh, wife's family is uh, affected, infected with this. Many of the, you know, people are working here. They are losing out their family members each day and still help is not available. So, yes, uh, this this is a time that, uh, you know, uh, 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 we need to actually take it as a one nation yeah. and, uh, and, and do right things. And only that will prevent further devastation in the, in, in India. Yes, and Joe Biden is uh, 100 days in office today. He's achieved a lot in the States, but he has released and he will release. He's going to be talking about it later on today in his speech to Congress. Um, massive help to India as well. And, and that, is, that is really good to hear. Let me go back to Maria. Maria, you're still there just for a moment. Hello, Maria. Yeah, yeah you're still Sorry. there. When you hear what uh, Prashant has to say and what we've been talking about there, the uh, suppression of information, the feeling on the ground towards the government, have you any sense of that as well? Not really, because I don't tend to take a lot of notice and stuff like that. I'm just a homebody. You know, I'm at home with my family. I'm just telling you what's happening in yes. my locality. Yeah. Uh, regarding the wider, I mean, I use social media to communicate with family in Ireland and all that, but in general, I wouldn't have noticed anything. But there are others who may. That's all I can say. Yeah, okay, okay. You're you're immune from that and you're not a close follower of it yourself. I understand what you're saying and you're doing your best there with, with your own family and in your own immediate community in, in very, very difficult times. Look, I'm going to leave it there today, but Prashant, last word to you. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll keep in touch with you. Your appeal is to Ireland and the international community. Just one word or two words. Help India, please. Three. Thank you. Yes, please help India. And we are very, very thankful to Ireland for sending their support to India during this unbelievable crisis. And our only concern is that the supplies go to the right and needy people, not wasted in warehouses and storages in India. That's very, very important too, that logistically it gets to the people that need it uh, most uh, and that is a really good call to make. I have to say, just to finish, that uh, Ireland and India has always had a very close working relationship and all of the generations of people who've come to this country, especially uh, in the health services, to help us here in this country has been absolutely outstanding. And we are with you solidly at this time. Thank you, Prashant Shukla and Maria Perrimon. Thank you both for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me. Not at all. You're both welcome. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And I mean what I say there. I really mean those words, if ever I meant a word on this show. The situation in India is a bleak reminder that none of us will be safe until everyone's safe. Wouldn't that just frighten you, Louise, to hear, you know, of people just dropping all over the place? Just can't even comprehend it, can you? No. And, uh, you know... uh, Uh, What annoys me is that people say this is a conspiracy, Mm. that this isn't real. It's bloody real. It's really something that is vicious when it grabs hold. And uh, God, the scenes on television, I thought last year Italy was bad, as I mentioned a moment ago, but this Mm. is just even worse. It really is. Anyway, 
help is coming and on the way and it needs it urgently, urgently, urgently. I should have listened to you about my own health yesterday. I should have, yeah. Every I, every three words that every woman wants to say, Jerry. I told you. <laughs> My good walk spoiled last evening as they they attribute that quote to Mark Twain, but I don't think it actually was him. I went, I played last night, I played nine holes. First golf since November. Oh, me back. <laughs> me back this morning. Me shoulders. Oh, the old frame is creaking for One sure, One swing Louise. and you heard a ding. I should have warmed up instead of going there and jumping in the car and up on the first tee. I should have done a few warm-up things and that. Anyway, I'm out again tomorrow evening, so please God, I'll... You enjoyed it, though. I enjoyed it for sure. Jeez, I tell you, it was cold last evening. There was a biting wind there from the north, but it was lovely to be out. And the course, Baltre, it's like, oh my God, it's like the the Masters. It really is. The course is just beautiful, so it is absolutely beautiful and in immaculate condition. Well done to all concerned. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Oh, my old friend Peter's back. He's bounced back up again. I have a message from him. I thought something happened to him. Be the Lord God. Ah, oh, Peter, take off them old tinted glasses yourself, will you there? And look at the picture and see what's real. And don't be fooled by the uh, the conspiracy theory mob. Lovely to hear from you, Peter. Keep well. Hope you stay well. Hi, Jerry. This is a serious pandemic, no matter what anyone says. And even with a vaccine, we cannot let our guard down. How right you are. Thank you for the message. Keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. Or you can call in at 1850-715-958. Now, my next guest hasn't seen her family in Finland since Christmas 2019. She has to be feeling lonely. I'm going to give her a full name. She's Hannah McDonald, but... The middle name is Latio, and that name has to ring a bell with people in the Meath area and beyond because her dad, her late dad, Eero Latio, was the MD in Tara Mines for 10 years up until 1995. I'm sure many of you remember him. I want to say hello to Hannah Latio. McDonald, hello, Hannah. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Your dad was well known. Just remind us of the story. How did he come to uh, arrive in Ireland at Tara Mines? So uh, my dad worked for a um, international mining company at the time. It was called Oldegumpo Mining, Oldegumpo, and uh, obviously pronouncing it in Finnish here. And Lovely. they bought over tara mines uh, in the mid nineteen eighties. Uh, so it would have been nineteen eighty six when we moved then to tara mines, and um, eventually dad took up the managing director position there. He was there till. 95 and moved back again in 2002 for a second stint so we were here kind of or my dad was here uh, twice working for Tower Mines. Ah very good yeah he, he is a well-known man and I'm sure uh, it brings back memories when we mentioned his name on the show today. You said you arrived in Navin what about 86 or so I heard you lived in the lap of luxury for a number of weeks. We did we when we moved to Ireland the first time around um, we didn't really have anywhere to stay at the start, so we were living in the Artborne Hotel for six weeks. So it was quite a, an interesting way to start our life in Ireland. Um, we went to school from, from the Artborne, and we got our school lunches from the Artborne, and it was quite a uh, fun time, to be honest, that first six weeks. Lucky you. Lovely hotel, great food. My God, you were spoiled. I'm sure you'd have wanted to stay there forever. Absolutely. And do you know... I will forever remember they had um, the most beautiful chicken, uh, chicken Maryland, 
And uh, we always talk fondly about it with the chicken and the pineapple on top. There you go. The signature dish, in case you didn't know it. For the yard boy, it is Chicken Maryland. Anyway, you went to school then and grew up in Navin and made lots of friends there. I did, I did. I'm still friends with a lot of them today, actually. Great stuff. So it's lasted right through your life. Hey, before I get on to the meat of the matter here, I have to talk to you about meeting this man called McDonald. Tell them the story. It's a great one. Yeah, so I was sitting in, actually a friend of mine, uh, I was meeting a friend of mine in Birmingham's pub in Navin, and uh, she started talking to two Swedish guys, uh, and they started telling me, then when I arrived, they started telling me, because they figured out I was finished, that uh, they were going to be playing an ice hockey match at the weekend, and I said, oh, are you playing for the Belfast Giants? And they said, no, we play for uh, the Dundalk Bulls, and I looked at them and said, Ireland has an ice hockey rink? Um, so I went and uh, decided to go and watch their game anyway. Obviously, Finnish people, it's kind of ice hockey is our national sport. And um went to watch them and in the ladies' toilets I saw a sign for the Lady Bulls that they were uh, there was trials on and decided to go try out for the, the girls' team. Got in and went to buy my first ever play, pair of ice hockey skates and ended up with a husband instead. So... <laughs> So you met him in the sports shop when you went to buy the skates? That's it, and that was in the ice dome. And, and we did, I spent a lot of time when the Dundalk ice dome was open over there, so we got to be friends first, and sure, you know. Yeah, the rest is history. Happened. Hannah puts the skates under Mark. I can see the headline, yes. Ah, <laughs> yes. Good woman yourself. So you've been living in Dundalk, and you're married and, and settled there now at this stage. Come back to uh, you uh, and your family. November 2019 is the last time you saw them. Yeah, so uh, in November 2019, um went over for a sad occasion, which was like for my granny's funeral. It was meant to be just a quick trip, so I went over on Friday, came back on the Monday morning, and we had planned that, that the following summer we'd go and spend two weeks in Finland, you know, proper time time with the family. My dad had only passed away as well that autumn, so it just felt that that whole time, every time we went over, it was on a sad occasion, so we had planned to go have a proper holiday the following summer, but sure, you know, with the pandemic, I haven't gotten there yet. So, yeah. That my granny's funeral was the last time I saw it. The last time. You're missing them, obviously. Uh, the connections uh, across the internet, you know, uh, WhatsApp, Zoom, all this type of thing, they're grand. I take it you're on regular to them. But look at Hannah. Isn't It's not the same, is it, as meeting people? But, um, do you know, it isn't. But I have lived all my life abroad. And yes, I miss my family terribly and I can't wait to get home. But you just you just get on with it, don't you? Mm. It, it, you know, you can't let, they're still my family and, and I would love to go and give them a hug and, and if I'm having a bad day, I can't go over to my mum's to have a cup of tea like everybody else would here. But you just get on with it and yeah. I just can't wait to get home. Oh, that's going to be some occasion when you do. What part of Finland are you, uh, is your family from? Um, well, we, we've kind of lived all over from all over Finland, but what we nowadays say is that we're from Helsinki and Espoo area, so the capital city area. Yes. So, that's where we've kind of settled over the years. When you're a mining family, you kind of tend to travel all over. Oh, of so. course, yes, they do. You're, you're migrants for sure and you move all <laughs> over the place. I, I, I have to say, I had the pleasure of visiting Helsinki once. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. 
It is, especially in the summertime. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it is. And it was summertime I was there. I thought it was just in the atmosphere and the amount of bicycles and the uh, laid-back nature of it. It was just lovely and lots to see and do as well. Now, you mentioned being uh, a little lonely because of your family. Work-wise, I know you changed job during the pandemic and you're now working for yourself. I take it that's been another challenge. Well, it has. The way I'm tackling it, though, is that the previous company I worked for, I worked remotely for three years and I sat in my box office for three years with no real connection except for my colleagues through uh, Teams calls and Zoom calls. Okay. For me, setting up on my own, um, you know, it it was a natural extension of that because I figured when the pandemic is over, everybody's going to go back to work in the offices. But I'm so used to working in my box room, I just thought... It is a lonely existence, and it's nice to know that there are other people that are in that kind of situation. But I, I think I can use that as a strength now for me, and I'm trying to draw positives from it so that I can kind of create something for me that, that will sustain me and, and create an income for my family. So here's the thing. You worked uh, on your own for three years in that box room, you know, in in, in, in an environment by yourself. I had to do it for, what, five, six months last year because of circumstances with the COVID here as well. I was doing this show remotely from a room in my home. I found it really challenging, Hannah. Yes, it can be. And this is the thing. And this is why sometimes you have to learn to reach out and understand that you, you are not alone. And there are ways and means of doing that. Like I've I've gone on to different groups on Facebook, for example, and I found great solace in the fact that I wasn't alone sitting in the office and I have great friendships now through different networks and different groups on Mm. Facebook. I've never met them, but I chat to them regularly, (laughs) either on Zoom or FaceTime or whatever. And, and it's actually, and, but I wouldn't, I don't think until the pandemic happened, I would have done that, if that makes sense, because nobody else was in the same situation. But because of the pandemic, I've learned to use this situation to my benefit and connected with people online. And it's quite comforting to know that actually you're not alone. We're yeah. all in the same. And if somebody y- put it, it's not the same boat. We're in the same sea. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, I'm thinking here as well. I knock it at times, and it drives me mad. You know, the whole social media scene and all the different aspects of it. But there are so many positives. I have to say to balance that as well. And this really is one of them for someone like you in your circumstances, like many others as well, technology and all the advances are facilitating that sense of belonging. Now, one group that have really helped you, I know, are the Women Inspire Network. Tell me about them. Absolutely. So Women Inspire Network, well, actually, I think it's called Women's Inspire Network. Yeah. It was set up by Samantha Kelly uh, about 10 years ago, if if I recall correctly. And um, basically, she was setting up, getting into business herself and finding this kind of remote situation. And when you're a sole trader and and, and working for yourself, quite um, lonesome. And she thought herself that there must be other people like her in similar situations. So she set up that network and and she has quite a few followers. And and there's a big, big uh, following on Facebook in her network. And through there, I've two, two specifically two ladies that I speak to nearly on a daily basis now because of that group. Um, and it's been absolutely fantastic to learn that there are, mm. you know, independent people who, who work for themselves who are connecting. 
Yeah, and part of that women's network, it's based here. There are people in the northeast, there are people all over Ireland, there are people outside of Ireland as well. Now, you have established, you've made the big leap uh, during this time, Hannah McDonald Marketing, which is your own business now. Have you picked up, you know, have you picked up support, guidance from that network? Absolutely. And interestingly, um, so there's a girl helping me out as a a virtual assistant that's from that group. Um, there's a lady who's going to be building my website for me from that group. Um, there's a lot of people in there. There's a lot of uh, business coaches. So if I get stuck with something uh, and I put in a question, um, they come back straight away and there's replies there. So it, it, it's actually ending up a business network in its own right. So I, I'm convinced that eventually I'll probably get clients through there as well. But mm. also that the... the Ireland does not work on what you know. It works on who you know. And, and I believe that network will benefit me from that point of view as well. So, so I'm finding advice from there. I'm finding help from their assistance uh, to set up the company. But I, I, in due course, I'm, I'm, I will also probably get clients through there. So it, it's, it's um, comforting to know that there's a network like that out there. And there's more of them, not just Samantha's yes. group, but there's others as well that are very good. Uh, who you know, who you know, that is Ireland. You've uh, you've known that for a long time, anyway. But it is it applies equally in person and in that online world as well. What about other Finns? Are, are there many Finns living round here, Louthmead? Actually, you would be surprised. Um, there's a great story uh, about me and a girl who lives in in Dundalk. Actually, I was in Tesco buying formula, and there's a girl beside me, and I was talking to my son in Finnish, and a girl beside me turned around and said great, you're talking Finnish to me in Finnish. And uh, the two of us live in Dundalk. And I've learned through her there's more people here. But then I reached out on Facebook as well just to find is there other Finnish people. And, and I find when you move to a different country, you, it's not so easy always to make friendships. Mm. And uh, so I found through Finnish, there's a, a actually Finnish people living in, in Ireland, a, a Facebook group. And I found people through there that are living in Dundalk and then leave and... Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting up with them with my sauna at the back of Finnish sauna. So uh, to a couple of the girls in that group, I've said, you know what, when the pandemic's over, welcome. The sauna's there for you guys and, and, and we're probably going to have Finnish night. Um, <laughs> Isn't this great? There's a, a Finnish Ireland community taking shape even during this pandemic. Just back to your business for a moment before yep. we finish uh, the marketing business. Uh, are, are you open to all comers? Are you willing to work with anybody in terms of marketing their product or service? Absolutely. I, I won't discriminate. What I will be helping them do is just look at, you know, if you look at last year, everybody rushed to get online and everybody rushed to go on social media. And then I found lately that a lot of people are struggling to try to figure out how to use those channels for them. And that's what I'm hoping to do. Use my corporate background and my marketing insights to help the businesses thrive in the digital environment. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm angling at and, and hoping to help small and medium-sized businesses in my local area just to give something back to the community. And uh, where do people find you or what's the easiest way? Well, my website's not live yet. Yeah. Uh, but I think if you go and find me on LinkedIn at the minute, that'll be a really good one to, to find me. And eventually I will, will have my um, website up and running. It'll be Hannah, Hannah McDonald Marketing, really the website. So you'll find me there. Okay, to say goodbye to you in Finnish, do I say goodbye or hivasti? <laughs> hivasti is a very, um, hivasti is a very, what's the right word? 
I don't. I can't think of the word for it, but I'd just say uh, moi moi or hey hey. <laughs> <laughs> They're more personable. Maybe. Hey, hey, Hannah, good luck to you with your business. Talk to you Thanks soon. Thanks very much. Thanks for the chat. Not bye at bye. all. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That's Hannah Latio McDonald there. Lovely girl, isn't she? She really is. Making her way in the world, originally from Finland, and the Latio name, yes, synonymous with Tara Mines. We wish her well. Late lunch, LMFM radio of the old cherry blossom. The cherry blossom. We spoke about it here on the show, the beauty of it, about, what, a week ago or maybe a little more when yeah, everything beautiful. was in full bloom. That the winds have picked up in the last 24 hours. Well, it's like confetti mm. everywhere around where I live. It's everywhere. It's just blowing the be damned out of the trees. Once you get a, a breeze at all, when it's ready to go, it's just... Sad. It's gone. Yeah. And it's gone for another year. But everything, it's like that. Everything has its season. You know, as I mentioned, we started talking about the snowdrops mm-hmm. the first of the year. Then we went into the daffodils and primroses and now the cherry blossom. And it just moves along. It just does. That's life, isn't it? No stopping it. No stopping nature, especially. That's the thing about it. The cherries are lovely, aren't they? The cherry blossoms. The cherry blossoms, oh, I love them. Oh, they're absolutely yeah. gorgeous. They Fantastic. really are. They're lovely all together. And I just love them for even the short spell that they have. Just trying to think, what's next? What'll be next? Oh, do you know what's next? I do know what's next. And I spotted it yesterday. In May, is it? Just coming now. Mayflower. Lilac. Oh, lovely. The lilac is about to come now. And I just noticed, you can see the little purple, tight little purple flower bunches appearing on the trees. There's one down at the end of the road here and I was stopped at the lights yesterday and I just look at it and uh, there's one in a garden on my way home as well and the coming of the lilac is very special. It happens very early May and into May and they, they say from, from back to the angling which we were talking about yesterday that when the lilac is in bloom the mayfly is hatching on the lakes and rivers. You know what I mean? That okay. they, the, the lilac coincides with the mayfly so hatch. <laughs> so when I see the mayfly and now I can't go outside the county. <laughs> but the lilac blossoms and the mayfly hatches and that'll be it. And another year will be passed again, unfortunately. But lilac is a lovely one as well. Do you like lilac? Do you like yeah, the properly colour of it? It's yeah. lovely. It takes years What's to grow. The, and I know you told me before because you, you know all of the, the plants and that. There's a beautiful yellow bush out at the minute. And did you tell me that if you get close to it, it mm. smells like, it smells very strong of it's it's a lovely scent. Oh to it. yeah, it's the what coconut. It? It's the coconut. Yeah. The real the real deep orange coconut. That's the furs bush it's or the lovely. wind bush. The furs yeah. of the wind. If there's you loads see around it, there's me. loads out out in, out in, on the ditches and you know mm. it grows in clumps and areas. If you see it, go to it and just take it in. The smell of coconut off the wind of furs bush bush. It's if, lovely. If you took some of that inside. Would that Yeah, I'd say you would, but the only thing, put steel gloves on your hand. Oh, is it that thorny? Oh, my <laughs> word, is it what? Talk about me finger that blew up a few weeks ago. <laughs> me infected everywhere. Oh, it is just docks, as we call them. Oh. You get docks everywhere. Splinters, you name it from them, thorns, whatever you like, but oh. but you will. It's... You, you, Good luck to you if you want to do don't it. Don't put it in a bouquet. <laughs> but no, unless it's someone that you don't care too much for. You could give them a little jab of it if you wanted. You know what I'm talking about? But it is a beautiful flower. And then the next one that'll come, uh, I have a tree, a laburnum. A laburnum is the big yellow tassels that drop oh, down yeah. from the leaves. It's a tree now you don't want to get too close to it. Children and that either. Uh, the leaves of it are not good, you know, for small children. Keep them away from it. But the laburnum is lovely. It'll come in then uh, sort of after... Uh, the the uh, the next one, uh, but um, 
yes, it, it's beautiful. The coconut coconut off that is just something else. And haven't we just such a lovely, mm. lovely country? And, 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 you know, all that's contained within lovely it. That's what I say again. We have. We flora. have a wonderful uh, range of flora and fauna. And the one thing we've got to do is look after it. You know, not destroy it. You know, help it along, encourage it as well. That's what gets me at times, that people don't really understand this, that... We've got to mind what we have and look after it. It's so important for, for future generations. Anyway, Lilac next on the way. Keep a good eye out for me. What's next coming up on Late Lunch? Ronan O'Dolly is with us. Karul O'Dolly. Remember him? Do you remember Karul? Karul O'Dolly. Yes, he was president of Ireland. Mm. Karul. I wonder was this related to him. Anyway, we'll find what out. What year was he president? Oh my God, it's back, back in the it? 70s. Oh. He had to be president. He resigned. He was the fellow that resigned. Remember the Donny, oh, Paddy yes, Donegan yes. and the oh, gotcha, Thundering then. Disgrace thing as well. Yeah, I did a great documentary a few years ago, Far From It, Thundering Disgrace, about uh, Paddy. He was a great man. He really was. And uh, the whole story around that as well. It actually got a nomination in the uh, Radio Awards. Just have brings to me back to that one again. Day. Yeah, I will. I will. I have it. I must have to get it out again and have a listen to it. Anyway, Ronan O'Dolly is coming uh, soon on the late lunch. And he's a man who whose business has boomed during the pandemic. It really has. Thank you kindly to Rose, who's just WhatsApped me in a lovely picture of our lilac tree about to burst into bloom. Margaret, I love your display of garden flowers as well. Yes, if there's something in your garden and that's lovely at the moment or in bloom, send them in to us. Send us the pics. We love to receive them. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp them to us here on Late Lunch. Now, can I speak for everybody and say that we all love browsing in charity shops? And let me tell you, it was such an experience with a bookie purchase, listen to this, for 50 cent that gave Ronan O'Dolly his idea to set up an online per- portal for charity shops. He's called it thriftify.ie and he's on the line. Hello, Ronan. Hello, how are you? I'm really good. I, I, I'd have to say... Knowing the outcome, tell my listeners that investment must be one of your best in your lifetime. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I still have it, but I, I, I could have sold it online. It was worth 60 quid, uh, but no, I haven't sold it. 60 quid? That Let me walk that out with my maths head. That's about 130 to 1 in a bet. Wow, Ronan, you're the man. <laughs> you're the man for sure. Listen, Ronan, tell us how that then led to the idea of Thriftify and, and what, what it's all about. Yeah, well, I think the, the great thing about charity shops is, right, you go in and you don't know what you're going to find. You go in and you shop and you have a browse, you have a small budget, you might find something great, you might not, but it's, you're worth it, it's, it's worth a chance. And that's what we all love about charity shops. But I remember when I got that book and I've, I've always shopped in charity shops. All my furniture, most of my clothes, everything is from charity shops. And the thing that I always felt was, what about those times when you have something in mind that you want? Like you want size seven pair of hiking boots right or you want a red cocktail dress or whatever it is you don't really go into charity shops to try and find that because you know you know the chances of them having it are going to be small so my kind of idea was well what if we were to put all the stuff in all the charity shops online and make it really easy for people to search for products that they wanted in charity shops because if we could make that happen, then we're able to get a lot more people buying from charity shops, which means more money into charities. It means we're not buying new products. We're buying used products, which are much more sustainable. Uh, and it means that we're just supporting good organizations. It's sustainable and it's a win-win for everybody. So that was where the idea came from. Um, and uh, we've quite luckily over the last, we started in 2018 
And since then, we've just been growing it and working with more and more charity shops. It was a slow burner. I'm not, uh, you know, uh, dissing it or anything. But from 2018, it took time. Like, uh, charity shops just didn't come running to you to sign up. No, I think, you know, there's a lot of... I think anybody who sells products realizes that selling online is important, right? Because if you have a store and you're selling products, you're going to reach however many people walk into that shop that day. But if you sell online, there's no limit to how many people you can reach. So I think everybody understands that. But the reality in charity shops is that they're very, very busy environments and all the stock is different. So it's not like you can just upload a product once and then you get a stock replenishment from the supplier and you just add increase the stock level because everything you get is different. So it's a completely different thing. And, you know, a lot of charity shops, I suppose they were kind of focused on the business they had, which is supporting the local community and people who walk into the shop. And if they find something that they think is worth a bit of money, they might try and increase the price or get as much as they can for it. Or maybe they'll, if there's something is really rare, the odd time, they might send it off to an auction. So, you know, charity shops were happy with that. But over time, I suppose what more and more people have realized that it's it's just really important to sell online. So, you know, we were working with about, 25% of Ireland's charity retailers in January last year. Um, and so we were kind of getting traction bit by bit. But over the last year, what's happened is that we're now working with over 95% of charity retailers. And that's obviously been driven by the lockdown and closure of stores. Isn't that amazing that here you are talking to me today about a real success story in the pandemic. And ironically, the pandemic has made your business. You've grown your workforce. Now, what have you, 16 people working for you at this stage? We were three people, uh, This we were four people this time last year and now we're 25. Oh my, even better still. Well done yeah. to you. It just shows you. But, you know, um, necessity is the mother of invention and, you know, the charity shops have to make a buck too and they saw an opportunity to work with you and well done to you now to have over 95% of shops on the platform. It's fantastic. Tell me about your links as well. Just explain how this works, right? Somebody goes online, you have the charity shops there, they get something that they want. Practically, how does it function from there? How do they pay? How is it delivered? Yeah, so it's important to say we're not in every charity shop. We're not in yeah. uh, you know, every local charity shop, but we are working with 95% of the retailers. So if yeah. you think of big retailers, a lot of them will have big warehouses and big fulfillment centers where they have, in some cases, tens of millions of garments coming through each year. So we're working with lots of different locations across the country, you know, from rural charity shops to big warehouses. Mm. And basically what happens is they use our app and they upload those products on the app. So the app can scan any barcoded product in the world, or if it doesn't have a barcode, like if it's a dress or a pair of trousers, they just submit some pictures and some details and information about those products. And then we have, this is the kind of thing we've that really makes Thriftify stand out for charities, is that we've done a huge amount of work on the technology, right? So we're doing merchandising, pricing, inventory management, customer communications. We're cross-listing the product for sale on multiple e-commerce websites. We're doing loads of things for them that normally when you sell online, you have to do it yourself, and that takes ages. So we're doing all of that for them, which means they just upload the products. We list them for sale online, do all the hard e-commerce bits. And then at the end of the process, we have the, the fulfillment, so the shipping. And they just, we're automatically connected into OnPost, 
So when an, a customer purchases something on Thriftify, um, they will see that that order has sold, that product has sold, and they just click one button, it prints a label, they put it in the green Thriftify compostable bags that we've given them, and they drop it at any post office or post box in the country. And, uh, you know, the customer gets it. with On post is great. You'll get it within a day or two. You've cracked it, Bio. You really have. You have all your ducks in a line for sure. I take it that, like, you obviously have to make a living. The charity shops have to make money as well. How does that work? Yeah, we charge a fee on everything that is sold because obviously it's really expensive to build technology yes. like this. But we're a social enterprise. And I think it's, you know, the other thing that is really important to us is it's not just about you know, uh, creative solutions. It's also about creative ways of doing business. And social entrepreneurship is a way of doing business where it's not really about making a profit. It's about having an impact. Mm. You know, we've lots of these kind of organizations across the country. You think of the credit union movement or you think of local community projects. We can do business in a way that's sustainable and much more ethical than how we yes. build most businesses. So as a social enterprise, what we do is we charge a fee on each sale, and that fee depends varies depending on the size of the retailer. Uh, the bigger ones pay a little bit more than the smaller ones to keep it fair. But with all of that income that we receive, it's all being reinvested. So you know we're hiring really good people to build really good technology. We're investing in really good sales and marketing to make more people aware that they can buy from charities online. And I suppose what we're trying to do is is become an online charity shop and let people know that if you want to buy something, you now have a way of doing it sustainably, ethically, and giving your money to the best organizations that exist. No, your uh, social consciousness runs right through your life. I've seen that as well in what you've worked on previously, and I commend you on that. Um, the 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 whole aspect now of the reopening of the economy and the reopening of charity shops where people and I know there's lots of people holding back stuff to donate uh, as mm. we speak does that concern you from your business point of view that when people can visit charity shops again or do you see yourself working hand in glove forgive the pun glove charity shop yeah. you know what I'm getting at no, we're not worried at all like I think you know the most important thing for us and the reason we're doing this is because we want to get more people shopping from charity shops. So, you know, we're doing a lot of work at the moment to try and actually help charity shops with the reopenings. And that's something that we'll be really encouraging people to get into the charity shops, you know, do your clear out, don't throw the stuff in the bin, hold on to it, give it to the charity shops because they're going to need them and then go in and buy from them. You know, so we'll be really supportive of that. And I think from our perspective, the online sales aspect, I don't think it's going to drop off a cliff. You know, I think for the first few weeks, everyone's going to be out retail shop and going to cinema and eating out I can't wait to do it myself you know I can't wait to meet friends and get out and I think that's just normal but I think you know I think one thing that has changed for a lot of us is that we've engaged in online things in a new way and we've developed new habits and I think a lot of that will is going to stay you know I think the convenience of online shopping has been discovered by a whole new bunch of people who maybe never shopped online and I think you know we'll go back to retail shopping but i think the what we're trying to make sure is that again for those once off pieces or unique pieces that people are particularly looking for they know that yeah they might have a browse in the charity shop and if they can't find it 
they can go on to Triftify and they can search for it. So it's a, I think it's a bit of a different uh, experience. You know, yeah. in charity shops, you're kind of looking for a bargain and going in for a browse. And on Triftify, you might have something in particular in mind that you want and you've made a decision that you're going to buy that in a good way. Yeah, interesting indeed. Is it true you have uh, spread your wings beyond these little shores of ours and there are international opportunities opening up? Yeah, we're, we're, we're la- we've launched in the UK in March and we're really busy there. That's We're, re- we're growing really quickly there. So obviously the UK is a lot more people and a lot more charity shops. Um, so that's getting a lot of attention from us at the moment. Um, and again, you know, I think we just want to try and have as much impact as possible. So expanding to other places makes sense. Uh, we're also looking at Germany, Canada and the US as well. And we've been in discussions with some organizations there who are interested in our technology. But there's bigger barriers, I suppose, to those markets where maybe there's different languages or there's different laws and, and all the rest. So Brexit has been a real challenge for us. Um, but we've, we've thankfully, we've managed to overcome that. And we're, we're doing yeah, a lot of work in the UK to try and get more charities on board there as well. And the other thing, the positive thing about that is, you know, it opens up all of those products to Irish customers as mm. well. So we have lots of amazing gems from UK partners that you can buy from Ireland uh, and vice versa. Ah, oh, you're a great story. You really are. I have to ask you this before you go. Oh, Dolly, any relation to the man who was once in Oris and Uthron? He resigned in 1976, yeah, after a bit of a scandal. I am no relation um, at all, but I tell you what, he was a very principled fella and I, I, I would aim to be half as principled as he was. I must go with the surname. You're great. I love what you're doing. I congratulate you and your social consciousness, I say it again, is marvellous to behold. Thriftify.ie, if you're looking for stuff that has been used and will be used again, it's there for you, folks. Check it out. Ronan O'Dolly, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me. Slán. Ronan O'Dolly there and Thriftify, thriftify.ie. Well worth looking at. He's a great fella, young fella, and really now opening up international opportunities from here in little old Ireland. Late lunch, LMFM radio. A payphone. A payphone? What's that, Maroon 5? What are you singing about? They're asking in late lunch land. Payphones, Louise. Is there any still about, like? Because that's a relatively new record. Is there any still about that, that are in use even nah, can't across be. the world? Ah, nah, there couldn't be any pay... What would people... Who'd use a payphone today? I, when was the last time you used oh, a payphone? Oh, for Can the you love remember? of God, not at all. There's no payphones around anymore. There couldn't be. Then the cards came. Do you remember the cards that you prepaid? I remember using pre-paid? the cards and going in to yeah. one in the corner of Trimgate yeah. Street and just the stench of Oh, stop. Of it. Stop. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. It becomes a lavatory. Yeah, and everything else. Latrine, yes, for people. Payphones. Is there any payphones out there anymore? There's not. There couldn't be. I wouldn't be. say there's any working ones anyway. Anyone know wrong? of a working payphone in the northeast? Help! SOS from late lunch this afternoon. Is there a working payphone anywhere in Louth or Mead or our neighbouring counties and friends who listen into late lunch every day as well? Is there a payphone anywhere? Let us know. Love to hear from you. 086-1800-658. Would you say there's any? Oh, I'd probably be wrong as usual, but I I don't think there'd be any working ones. I don't think there could be a working payphone at this age. Or a card phone. Or a card phone. Cards are gone. They're history, aren't they? Mm -hmm. They certainly are. Couldn't be. They were collectible. Payphones on the streets. Yeah. Oh, listen, Paddy Brennan. I want to say hello to Paddy today from P&T and Telecom Days. Paddy had the greatest collection of 
cards, the card, the original, the first ever card, right through it all were produced. He had them on display here in Drada. I'm nearly sure they're in the museum in Drada now. He donated the whole collection. Wow, how so many? He Hundreds of Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had every one of them. Unique, unique indeed. Pay phones, card phones, not at all. With a mobile phone. <laughs> when I think of the days queuing up to make the calls. Jesus, you can call anywhere in the world for that little thing sitting beside me on the desk here now. Progress has been immense in the area of communications. There's no pay phones. I'd say not. Not. But at least when there was pay phones, if you said you'd, if you arranged with somebody to meet somebody, you know, a week on at eight o'clock, you'd be there. Yeah, There's never only, any cancellation. The, the only trouble is there couldn't be a queue and you might you mightn't get near the phone. Ah, <laughs> oh, them were the days. Them were the days they were indeed. Anyway, let us know about your payphones. Are there any? Oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight. WhatsApp or text me if you're in the know or eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight. Not a payphone in sight. R.I.P. the payphone, that's for sure, as I suspect. I'd say there's still maybe a few Private ones stuck in pubs or somewhere, you know, little cream ones or things like that. They may, may, may just still be out there. Pat's been on from Navin to say, help me, Jerry. I fed my lovely plants tomato fertiliser, tomato feed, and they're wilting. What should I do? Give them plenty of water. Try and wash it out from the ground beneath them and that might give it a hand. That's my just my little tip to you, Pat, this afternoon. Now, Thin Lizzy, my artists of the week. We continue the story into the late 70s and Lizzie's lineup changed often. Lynette Gorham and Downey were constants. However, it was the growing prevalence of drugs around Lynette and Gorham that was proving to be the sore that festered and ultimately brang an end to Thin Lizzy. They soldiered on into the 80s with Lynette marrying Caroline Crowther and having two daughters. He also released a couple of solo albums and with Lizzy, the album Chinatown proved really successful. They headlined the first ever Slane concert, yes, Thin Lizzy, on the 16th of August 1981. I was there. They were magnificent. Comings and goings continued in, in the lineup right through 1982 before they somehow managed to record and release what would be their final album, Thunder and Lightning, in 1983. With heroin, sadly, now their master, the game was up as Lizzie, as we knew and loved, played their final concert in Nuremberg on September 4th, 1983. Today, I go back to 76 and the Johnny the Fox album for a memory of Thin Lizzy on Late Lunch. Have a listen to the sublime guitar solo on this one. Don't believe a word from Thin Lizzy on Late Lunch this Wednesday afternoon. Isn't it just fantastic? Good man, Jerry, Lizzie, best Irish rock group ever, no doubt about it. First saw them Easter Monday, 1980, in Dundalk. Fantastic. Mid-year and snowy white with Phil and the boys. I was at that gig on that date in 1980. That was the one I was carted out. <laughs> <laughs> from the front of the stage after a massive crush. Oh, there was that day. It was something else. I was there. They're just the most brilliant, brilliant live group ever. I've ever seen, to be honest with you. What they could replicate live was just something else. Live, they were best, in my opinion, to be honest with you. Anyway, that's a Lizzie song today. Don't believe a word. Back with another one for you tomorrow, around about the same time on Late Lunch. Now, after our final break today... 
I'm going to be joined by Fergal Lynch from the Meath Chronicle and we're going to be having a chat about Emma Murray. She's a boards mill uh, player, Meath GAA star. Stay with us on Late Lunch to hear the story. I have great memories, Jerry, of uh, payphones at the Bullring and uh, the bus station in Drawl and making calls to friends all over the place. Great memories indeed, long gone at this stage. Thanks indeed for that message. I'm joined on the line on late lunch by Fergal Lynch from the Mead Chronicle. Hello again, Fergal. Well, Jerry, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for uh, joining me on the show today. Emma Murray, Boards Mill, Mead Star, you name it. What a wonderful lady she is. She's been through the mill, Fergal. She certainly has, Jerry. Um, yeah, well, well, I know Emer years. Um, I would have coached out in Boards Mill um, when I took over. Emer was the senior goalkeeper out there. And um, when I got involved in coaching, Emer was, uh, came on board coaching with Eamon, was the manager of the minor team when we got involved. And so she's steeped in the GA, Jerry, and, and uh, is really just immersed in ladies' football, both with club and county. And since last Halloween, really, she's had a very, very rough time. She was diagnosed um, eventually after a lot of tests and, and worries. She was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And um, as we all know, with COVID restrictions in the hospitals and, and stuff like that, she's had a tough in and out of hospital basically on her own. Now, plenty of support from her family and friends and getting her to the hospital and, and when she got home and stuff like that. But she's had it rough, Jerry. Yeah, it has been tough on them. It really has. And yet she's come out smiling as she's always done right through her life and keeping the best side out despite all she's been through. And the reason you're chatting me to me today is that... Uh, uh, there's a very special fundraiser happening this bank holiday weekend, May the 2nd on Sunday. Uh, Boards Mill are right behind it, of course, but there are many others involved as well. Just explain what's going to happen, because people can't uh, travel from the top to the bottom of Ireland, but it's been done in another fashion. Yeah, well, we, we decided that, uh, or we asked Eamon, who uh, is Eamon's father, of course, and he's well known, he's the Mead Ladies yeah. manager, um, and I, we asked him, you know, was there anything we could do for Emer or any way we could help out the family at all? And, and being the type of person that she is, she didn't want a big fuss made of it. But uh, eventually she succumbed to our pressures to, to say that we wanted to help in, in some way. So we set a target of trying to raise a couple of grand, which would just help with a lot of the expenses that are incurred um, in treatment like uh, that she has to undergo. So we decided that we would do a static cycle is what we're calling it. Um, not a slow bicycle race, as some, some of them are trying to portray it as, but it's a, a static cycle from Malinhead to Mizzenhead. And we had aimed to try and get, you know, 60 people to ride a bike for a half an hour. And that would have covered the 600-odd kilometres from uh, Malinhead to Mizzenhead. But the response has been overwhelming. And the amount of people that have put their hands up to say that they want to take part in the uh, static cycle. So we have three bases we have a base in Boards Mill GA Club. We have a base in uh, the grounds of St. Mary's National School in Trim here, where Emer uh, is a school teacher. And we also have a base in Navin Rugby Club as well. Um, so we have, uh, we, we have close to 100 people that have signed up to want to cycle. And everybody wants to chip in and help any way they can. And the GA community have been great as well. I, I know I've been flooding people with videos on my timeline on Twitter and, and Facebook that's uh, Andy McEntee is, is doing 10k a day for 10 days and Bernard Flynn has got his backroom team and players all doing various challenges and the minor footballers and camogie players and the senior hurlers 
contributed there, sent us over a few quid the other night, fucking a thousand consecutive points. So the response has been amazing, Jerry, and is probably testament to the Murray family and to Emer's infectious personality, I suppose. It certainly is. And, you know, when the chips are down, the coming together of people in the GA family uh, never ceases to amaze me. And if you'd like to help out and you're not part of the cycle or anything, there is a GoFundMe page called Cycle for Emer. That's E-I-M-E-A-R, Cycle for Emer, GoFund. So you can help from near or far on that GoFundMe page. 610 kilometres, what? But 30 hours, is it? You're, you're going to be in, uh, have people on bikes cycling. Yeah, well, that was the idea. We were going to do it over, yeah. you know, over an afternoon on Sunday. I suppose it's not so much as the challenge. It yeah. was just more give a, give a bit of focus for something to do. But I'd say we'll, we'll go well beyond the 610 hmm. kilometres. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes from Malin Head to... to uh, <laughs> I don't know, the North Pole or somewhere. <laughs> it could end up... Uh, no, to Rock... The weather, I, have, <laughs> I have an idea. Stop at Rock Hall and put the flag on it and let's take back what is rightfully ours. That's a little idea well, for the cycle the weekend. <laughs> anyway, uh, you will do more, of course, and there are so many people want to join in this. It's wonderful to hear. And just to say, Emer, she's, she's uh, a, a real battler she always was through a football career even up to last year in that uh, uh, junior final Yeah, Emer was a, a brilliant goalkeeper and would have played yeah. junior football and senior football for Mead uh, down through the years as well and a really brave type of goalkeeper um, you, you'd certainly hear her one of these very vocal and very organised type of players uh, but a real inspiration to the girls out in Fords Mill and in Mead and you know, we were just looking through the list of the players that played for Mead in the All-Ireland Intermediate Final last December and Emer would have coached, I'd say, anything up to 2025 of that 32-player panel. So she's had a huge influence on girls playing football in Mead, uh, as well as being a, a, an excellent goalkeeper herself. She, she's a brilliant coach as well. So hopefully the few quid that we can raise can ease her, her back to recovery and get her back onto the playing field soon enough. That is the aim of the game. And of course, she's a mum as well and a teacher and ah, so much more to her as well. And I want to wish her well from everybody in LMFM Radio today. And uh, to be, she has to be encouraged by the response there's been to this and all the people who want to get involved and in supporting her as well. And I mention it again, Cycle for Emer, GoFundMe if you'd like to support her. Just before you go, quick word, I just want to say, well done to you. I so enjoyed your article in The Chronicle recently about the 50th anniversary of the lifting of the ban. And people might not know this. A lot of people listening to us today Mead and a Mead club played a huge part in that lifting in 1971. Yeah, yeah. it was a, it was a news to me as well. Only when I was researching it, it's just going to mark a piece. As you know, no games um, at this time of the year, so we're we're struggling to fill the pages. So I was having a look through the archives and came across the piece that uh, Mead had called on all the clubs. They called uh, brought it to the Congress in Galway in 90, 1970 that all clubs in the country should put it to their members that should the ban be lifted. Um, and I know a lot of people tried to shoot it down, and I know the county board chairman at the time, Father Tully, wasn't too pleased with the motion being put forward. But the Mead delegates and, and Dunshockland Club, actually, um, were the club that brought it to the Mead delegates that eventually got it to Congress in Belfast in 1971 and got that ban overturned, which was uh, it was a real hindrance to the GA at the time, the ban. You know, it was putting a lot of people off wanting to play. You weren't allowed to play these so-called foreign sports. 
um, and, and it put people off the GA. So Mead were instrumental in, in getting that overturn and we haven't really a whole lot to shout about these days, I'm afraid, in the GEA. So we'll claim any little victory we can, Jerry. <laughs> Why not? But a significant one it was because, as you say, foreign games, soccer, rugby, cricket, even if you had an association with them, uh, you were out the door. And what a change that was at that time. And to the men uh, who uh, brought that forward and uh, delivered it, well, we say well done half a century on 50 years ago. It's hard to believe. And for youngsters and uh, people who are have been born in the interim, they wouldn't even understand what that was about. Uh, great article, Fergal. I really enjoyed it, Fergal. It was great. Well done to you. Anyway, just to mention before we leave again, it's this Sunday, the 2nd of May, three venues, Boards Mill, Trim and Navin Rugby Club, Cycle for Emer, Go Fund Me, Do What You Can, on our bikes to support this one. You're great. Fergal Lynch from the Mead Chronicle, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks very much. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Fergal Lynch there. And uh, we say hello to Ema Murray and her family again this afternoon. Anyway, that's a lot for today. Tomorrow on the show, Endo Doherty, the man who came in here one day with a refrigerator on his back. He's back on late lunch tomorrow, but on a serious note, he's going to talk about his reform from alcohol. Uh, we'll also be joined by Dr Mary O'Kane uh, from the Royal County. She's a brilliant new book out on parenting. Sean Collins is here to reflect on 1921, 100 years on. And she's back with her eye cast near and far. Burke's banter we bring you tomorrow on Late Lunch. Eddie Caffrey is raring to go with the drive. Great music on the way over the next couple of hours. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. Have a lovely Wednesday evening and do come back and join us from 1.30 tomorrow for your Late Lunch. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Attention all van drivers. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the northeast. Our van specialist, Danny at Blackstone Motors, will find a commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. We offer same-day business finance. Call Danny or visit blackstonemotors.ie for more information. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.